This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, folks, what's happening? Welcome back once again to the DLR Cast, the podcast by and for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. As always, I am joined with my great friend and co-host Darren Palchowitz. And Darren, this is our we Happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2023. Live before your naked steaming eyes, I think is the line. Look at all the people here tonight. Look at all the people not here tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, we- here, Steve. And and unfortunately, we were right like two episodes ago when we went, yeah, I think Dave's going to drop a bunch of stuff. And we went from nothing for months to in the last few weeks, like another Van Halen cover and like four episodes of the Roth show. So it yeah. goes like nothing to everything really quickly again. The pendulum swings. Yeah, it's interesting, right? That's what we talked about. I'm just looking. Our last episode was December 27th. That was right after our DLR cast holiday spectacular, right before Christmas. Yeah. And we thought, yeah, that's going to be it. All of a sudden, yeah. as we are wont to do, suddenly there's something going on in Dave World. We jump on the mics. And yeah, we've got another cover that was underwhelming. What was it? Was it Everybody Wants Some? See, I can't, I, yeah, I can't even think of it now. What was super interesting to me was that the DLR cast relaunched, and that made a little bit of news Why, with Dave saying that in one of the, I think it was that first episode, uh, so did I say the DLR cast relaunched? The Roth show, his podcast relaunched out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, sent the same setup, basically, talking to Tom off mic, I guess. No video this time. None. Um, which was disappointing and which makes me curious about a couple things. The Roth show, you know, that made news a couple weeks ago where he said his partnership with Eddie Van Halen was better than any love affair he ever had. And right. I think we've had what now? Three episodes. The last one just popped on Thursday or Friday. Four. We've got four, We have four, four. episodes now. Yeah. There was some long, long run, some story about being in Haiti, I guess. I learned that uh, baseballs are made in the Dominican Republic thanks to somebody who sat next to him on a flight. And if you're wondering where this is all going, so are we, folks. Um, I will will give him this on on the Roth Show podcast, though. Mercifully, they're short. It's 26 minutes. I've... 25 minutes. They're whatever. They're quick. I've got a theory, which... uh... Only a handful of people would be able to confirm this. Could, could we rush into my theory about what the Roth show is? Hit your theory, please. I love okay. it. So let's rewind back. Roth in 97 and I think a bit of 98 through his website, through davidleeroth.com, did an internet radio show, which if you talk to people on the Roth Army board, a few of them have recordings of it. And I've gotten... And I've listened to all six episodes of it. And he reads stories that wind up in his book. His memoir was around then in 97. That's right. I think that, do you remember the stories about how when he turned in the manuscript for Crazy from the Heat, that it was over a thousand pages and they had to cut it down to 300? Right. I think that these are leftovers from the book. Because there were leftovers from the book in that 1997 Roth show. If you notice, he's not uh and ah-ing. You know, in other words, speech patterns that people have when they speak off the cup, they have their verbal. He's not uh and ah-ing. That's the first part of it. Second part is this Haiti story, because he talks about the lost weekend and there's a girlfriend and all that. That means it's probably like 85, 84, 85, 86, somewhere around there that he's in Haiti. So that's an old story. The first episode, he talks about that, uh, 
You see, I'm I'm not reading it from a paper because I uh and I ah. Uh. <laughs> right. I, the part, I, I Lord knows I take mine out in the editing as much as I can. <laughs> but but the part about you don't do it that much. <laughs> uh, you know, you work on it a little bit, but the part about how he opens the bathroom door during the Van Halen early shows and hey, you're on stage, you know, that kind of a thing. That's in his book. But then he tells the story about what inspired Dance the Night Away, which I saw him tell on stage in 2006 or 2007 in New York City. So these are old stories that he's told before. And I think that these were originally slated for the book. And he's just, ah, well, I'm not, I don't feel like doing another book. Let's get these out. Old stories, new recordings? Yes, the, yeah. these are definitely new recordings because the production's fantastic and he's saying Tom and Tom right. has been like six years old. <laughs> right, and you've got those occasional interludes, Roth show, yeah, right? I mean, and yeah. production is stellar. Yeah. I just think that he's using old material because I don't think, uh, aside from what he said about Kanye West and the hip hop thing in the first episode, and aside from the camping thing with Tom, I think this is old materials. We're not hearing about stuff from Japan. We're not hearing about anything from the last 20 years when he's telling stories. Right. Or anything within the last even year. Or, I mean, there's nothing topical or current so much about it. All right. Well, this brings up a couple of questions. Number one, uh, number one, most, oh, I guess it's a long winded question, but here's the thing. And this will drive me nuts. And this is the very <laughs> impetus for this very podcast. Why we first come up with this idea is that, as far as Dave's concerned, there's, as usual, there's, he's got great stories to tell about his solo years and yes. his solo music. Yes. Right? Nothing. Are we ever going to hear any of this stuff? Nothing. Forget, put aside music for a second, which we'll get into in a, in a heartbeat, because there was some new music that dropped, new to most people, that yeah. I want to get to that I'm uh, uh, ecstatic about. Yeah. But here again, this is what drives me nuts, is that it's a lot of it's stuff that most people have heard before. Yeah. And the, uh, I'm not, and we should probably get into, I know you've mentioned this and I know some people have mentioned this. Well, you have mentioned that some people have mentioned this, that I don't want to seem too negative about this. It's I'm happy for anything, but my frustration lies in that where, and again, this is just one person audience talking here is that it's tough to follow along with these stories sometimes, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's sometimes they're, in, I'm glad they're quick. I'm glad they're short, but I'm just like, okay, where is this going? What? Where's the payoff? Where's the punchline? Where and he gets to it, but it just leads me to some frustration. I would love to hear an episode about some sort of uh, about how quickly they record, how on fire they were when they recorded "Eat Him and Smile," because we've heard that from everybody else. Never yeah. really heard that outside of the original album uh, uh, publicity right. when the album first came out in '86. There's a ton of material from like. After 85 and before 2007. And you know what? If you're going to talk about Van Halen, let's talk about the other big mystery is, is and um, don't throw anybody on the bus, although there's, I'm sure there's reason, I'm sure there's opportunities for him to, that'll make you cringe. But what about the reunion? Right? Yeah. Well, let me back you up for a second. Cause you, you alluded to it. There was one or two people who listened to our show, which thank you for listening, but you said, Hey, you guys are so negative. And my place of negativity for Dave comes from the fact that I think he's one of the most smart, cultured, talented, motivated people ever. Ever, absolutely. His art, and this is what you're giving us, a guy who is so, has such high regard 
for himself and what he does. And he gives us warmed up leftovers in a lot of facets. He doesn't open up the archives. He doesn't talk about stuff from the last 20, 25 years openly. That's that's where my sense of negativity comes from, that he needs a Rick Rubin or a an executive type or an editor type to go, Dave, you could do a little better. Let's do a little better before we put the thing out. Can, would you agree with me on yeah, that? Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, there's a couple things that I don't want to be negative. I hope we're not too negative. And but we always do say we're 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 fans, but not we're we're not fanboys. And I'm sorry, just like you get totally frustrated over your favorite football team's uh, mishaps or what you think they should be doing better or what you wish was happening differently. It's the same with your favorite artists, right? And yeah. with somebody with so much potential, so much talent. And I bring it all back to the fact that, I listen, whether it's ADD or whatever it is, <laughs> he's been, whatever it is, he's been more than successful for 40, year, 40 plus years now, right? Yeah. But again, it's about the potential. It's about as fans, what more could if there was some, I guess, some tightening up, right? Of some more direction, some more. I mean, think of the things where it he just continued it. And again, I think it's just passion. All right, you know what? I'm tired of doing the raw show. Can you imagine every podcast success is built on consistency yes. and content? Right? From Mark Marin, who started with nothing. Right. To 12 years later, whatever it is, and millions and millions and millions of dollars to our little fledgling thing here. We started with nothing, and we've got a decent audience. Thank you very yes. much. Do you know what I mean? Where could the Roth show be now? The videos in the original iteration were great. The theme song was great. Yes. So it's like you're left wanting so much when there could be so much more. And I would... And as a fan, you want everybody to know something about, not dribs and drabs and little things. And of course, there's complete puzzles. I mean, why in the middle? And I again, I this is the stuff. I'm stopped at a red light, and I'm thinking about this episode. I'm like, <laughs> God damn it! When are the rest of the John Five songs coming out? Tell me, as much as a fan you are, you would rather have those rest of the songs. It, in no world does it make sense to just go. Eh, I'm going to stop putting those after that little tease and start throwing out Van Halen covers. And and to go a little further, we have a lot of great listeners that feed us tips all the time there's you know mike schmore and and eric stangeland and there there's this you know cult of people who have the same questions that that we have and dave's last three proper releases all have these weird clouds over them so dlr band it's only on amazon music it's not on spotify it's not on all the dsps and on amazon music it's missing a few of the tracks so you can't play the whole album Right. Then you look at the Diamond Dave album. I think it was Mike who tipped me off to this. Uh, a few people have mentioned it in general, but the Diamond Dave album, he recut the album cover of it to get the girls out of it. You go, <laughs> you go like, what? Did they oh. want to be taken out? I mean, he owned, did he own, not, did somewhere along the line, someone did not have the photo rights secured 20 years later or whatever? I mean, it's those weird little things that shouldn't oh. happen. But the trifecta, a different kind of truth still taking off the digital providers. And I'm I'm still assuming that it is because it was a 10-year license to Universal Music and they're eventually going to put it back under the Warner deal for a renegotiation. And I get that. But the last few Roth releases are just clouded. At the same time, when he puts up a Roth show podcast, it doesn't go everywhere at the same time. And then when he puts up a social media post, it doesn't go everywhere at the same time. So within his organization, there's also not that quality control beyond the lack of consistency in the content. That is where the negative 
thoughts come from. We expect better from a person who's so smart. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I think of, I don't think we're coming from, and I'm not patting ourselves on the back here, I don't think we're coming from some sort of complete realm of ignorance here. I mean, listen, you've been dealing with, you're a writer, You've, you're, you're a reporter. You've done, you know, you've worked with publicists for decades now. I mean, I've, I'm a publicist. I'm a marketer. I've worked for record yes. labels. I mean, there's some basic things where it's where that some eyes need to be dotted here and things checked off. Where it's just like, how can it's a great puzzlement, right? How can what's generally regarded among fans as one of his best solo albums, the DLR band? Yeah. Why isn't that? Why figure that one out? Why isn't that available? Makes in no world does this make sense. Yeah, what he keeps out and in the forefront, such as the Las Vegas video where he knocks on the door of the fan who doesn't know who he is, <laughs> that that's more at the forefront than a different kind of truth. And you go, right, Why? right. It's, it reminds me of the fact, and I'm, I bet someone will remember this, but didn't he lose the rights very early on to DavidLeeRoth.com? Somebody squatted on it or bought it or something? Yeah, the, in doing all my research, it sounds like he was partners in the late 90s. And the keywords, it sounds like, I am not right. saying this is the absolute truth, but it sounds like he was kind of partners with this company called Slaughterhouse, S-L-A-W. I remember that, yes. That was so, yeah. And there was some some uh, quabbling over the finances about overcharge, and that kind of clouded the DavidLeeRoth.com stuff. But through that website, he was putting out songs exclusively online in 97, yeah. 98, which who else was doing that in 97, 98? That's the thing. Isn't it amazing? He was ahead of his time back then. <laughs> I mean, he's ahead of his time and then doesn't document or preserve that kind of a thing. Dave's, that we know of. <laughs> well, Dave's career has so many firsts and innovative things to it. So I'm, you know, I regularly reference some Risa Salvaje and we laugh about how obsessed I am with the album. But think about that. A world class top recording artist says, I'm also going to record my album in Spanish. How ahead of its time is that? And by the way, who else has done anything like that since? Yeah, you, you'll see like some of the Motown songs from the 60s were cut in German and the Beatles cut stuff in German and different languages. But he did the whole album in that, which is innovative, and performed, was it like the Miss Mexico pageant where he lip-synced just the gigolo in the <laughs> stadium? He did so many cool things, just surprising people at that college football game with the marching band in the right. 80s. Dave World premiered stuff on MTV. He went into morning radio, the EMT stuff. He does all this innovative stuff. And if he just put a little time into preserving it, I think that the non-diehards would go, that is one of the coolest artists ever. I think it is. I think it is preserved somewhere, but it, it's it's head scratching because I, I don't think he it certainly doesn't do anything unless he really wants to and has a passion when that passion ends or maybe. Yeah. For, but so I guess if you just go, eh, all right, well, I don't feel like doing a podcast anymore, but the potential that you miss out on, I think, right? Or the or at, at what point where you just go, well, I can't be creative with this anymore. Yeah, you can. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, and But then again, there are head scratches. I mean, in what world did somebody look at that Las Vegas video with the guy opening a door and go, oh, yeah, hey, that's cool. Let's put that out there. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about this because usually when you're talking about the Van Halen legacy thing, you then go, well, look at what Kiss did, blah, 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 blah. 
Okay, it is 2023, and we're still getting unreleased Kurt Cobain stuff. And right. the first Nirvana album, I believe, was 89, and Kurt died in 94. So that's basically five years where he was a touring, known person. And we're still seeing unreleased stuff in 2023. Hendrix died in 70, and we're still getting unreleased stuff. And it whether or not it's great stuff, it's somebody's job online to just unearth stuff and go, hey, look at this cool photo of Kurt Cobain with blank or Jimi Hendrix doing blank. You're telling me Dave doesn't have photos with every single person. Well, ever? this this brings up something really interesting I was thinking about in light of the fact that one of my next Eddie Van Halen, my favorite guitar player in the world is probably Jeff Beck, who yeah. who died at 78 from meningitis the other day. And and that's all I've been listening. I listen to Jeff Beck very regularly. But to say you'll hear anything else around here the last four or five days. Um, and I got to thinking about this and I have thought about this for and not to get too too caught up in death but someday dave's not going to be here anymore does right. all this stuff come flooding out then who's the caretaker there's no there's no buddy caretaking the family legacy or like say a wolfgang and and in concert with alex but there's somebody i mean listen knock wood for the next 40 40 plus years or so there's going to be somebody who is going to be who is the caretaker and has the keys to everything that we might hear publicly released officially released from the van from van halen from eddie's vaults from now wolfie's vaults from the van halen vaults does that include dave or does that not who knows but as far as everything else done as dave has done outside of van halen and we'll bring up one of them now that just came out or we could bring up in a minute yeah does all this stuff ever ever see the light of day who knows Oh, these are questions. I wouldn't be surprised if Dave was just holding out for one of those $150 million selling off your estate things a la Tina Turner. You know, we, we saw the singer of the Strokes sell off his stuff, Julian Casablancas. And it, uh, that obviously wasn't a $100 million one. Right. Julian Casablancas doesn't need the cash. But I think it was kind of like, a, oh, well, I can get the $30, $40 million now instead of waiting. Yeah, well, you're, you're, getting, a, you're getting a buyout. Really, and someone's taken the risk that the forty million that I'm giving up now to take ownership of all that stuff over the next forty years, I can double that or whatever that might be. I have like I can use that and like that, and you're getting a lump sum payout for yeah. it, and you know that and that's publishing related. You know, we saw that with Springsteen and Dylan and all that folks. Yeah. I mean, you know how that works out with Dave's cut of Van Halen. Who knows? I mean, certainly, unfortunately, his solo output isn't going to be worth much if you're going to sell all the publishing rights to that but having said that somebody might pay for that and we might see some great placements for like just like paradise or or tobacco road or who knows right well uh but before like wrapping up this whole okay you guys are negative and you're like well what would you rather hear dave talk about instead well i don't know how about the fact we just said so we just how, said <laughs> how about the fact that John five, his old friend now has the biggest gig of his career. And Dave was the first or second high profile person to ever hire John five. Right. It's very happy for him. Um, how about the fact that <laughs> happy new year. Thanks for listening. I appreciate all of your positive feedback about my recordings. They were really fun to make, you know, real human being conversation on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't that interesting too outside of Eddie? And again, it goes to him not really referencing at all the solo stuff, but I'd love to hear a story about 
Stevie Vai, man, just amazing, and and give some props yeah. there, Billy Sheehan or or uh, Ray Luzier, and any of these guys, really. And it's it, there's just been this complete demarcation, this separation from the either the either what's going on currently, whether and there's always something, as we know. There was never a podcast explaining the pa- the paintings, which were amazing. Can I say something right? now, though? Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. I'm calling absolute BS on his explanation of the Van Halen re-record timeline in the studio, where he said, I'm making up the number. We did 14 songs in two hours live in the studio. Back in That's May. That's not possible because on <laughs> another podcast, he said he did three vocal takes on each song. Then we also know that when you're talking about guitars and patches and all that, you need to change that and change drum heads and all that. So you did three vocal takes and an instrumental take on 14 songs in two hours. Really? Okay. There's some there's some gray areas there. That, that's just like how he did the DLR band album in 10 days when there's three or four different songwriters and guitarists on there it's not true and i don't know why he feels the need to tell all these tall tales because people are gonna find out the truth that's the first part but the second part is like it's not embarrassing to say we knocked it out in eight hours we we knocked it out in six hours or anything like right. that that would still we be in, really just we went in for a few days and had a blast and i finished up and did some vocal work whatever it might be yes so i don't get why you have that and how he came up with the Frankenstrat design. I can't, I can't talk about I, I, that. And I can't, I just can't. <laughs> so that, why, why like lie or embellish at this point in time? Yes. He's an over the top character, but he's so intelligent that he, and so naturally interesting. And if he had that editor to go, mm, now Dave, look, this was 80% amazing. Let's just trim this 20% out. It'd be perfect. I think there's, I mean, that's part and parcel from the very first time he stepped on out on stage and told his first story at the mic with Van Halen. There's always been this bigger than life embellishment. I think it's baked in just like a, just like the yeah. old, the old uh, pro wrestling spots. You know what I mean? It just like, do you know what I'm saying? There's always been this Hollywood esque bigger than life embellish it. You stretch the truth, you play with the gray areas, you do that. I mean, from whether it's the age thing, whether it's to, uh, God, what was I just thinking of? Dropped $250,000 on Ice Cream Man. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? I just think it's bigger and more outlandish or or bigger, more outlandish or with some mystery. There's with him, I think it's it worked for it's always kind of worked. People expect it. People are used to it. There's not a lot of people out there digging deep, questioning this stuff. (laughs) Okay. I just think that if you evolve as an artist, you could then just celebrate how outlandish you were. And then you growing up, you can, you can just laugh about how outlandish you were and then be the natural version of yourself, you know, evolve into that. I maybe I think maybe there's some real enjoyment or just some sort of self-conscious enjoyment of the fact that that nobody ever is really going to get outside of the persona that I want to give. Do you know what I'm saying? I think for no matter how down earth the artist is, I mean, you hear you hear story over the years, you hear stories about 
and it's really come out the last like 15 or 20 years. And before that, the 20 or 30 years before that, I mean, it's ha- we've seen this with other artists, but like, for instance, Gene Simmons. Yeah. I mean, over the years, it, it, it's the demon to Uncle Gene and he's hilarious and he likes cake and 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 as a per, you know, and if you noticed, he kind of got wise to the fact, especially after getting banned from Fox News. And it's like, I got it. All right. I'm pushing 70, whatever. The groping, the bullshit that you have. It's And, and have some respect for your wife. That's the whole uh, other thing. Uh, too, alleged, say. alleged, alleged groping. A legend. But do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, at some point he got wise to the fact where, OK, if there's anything more ridiculous than me dressing up in all this face paint, age 70 is being a lecherous, you know, outside of me, uh, being a lecture in public, being a lecherous old man or yeah. talking about my conquest, for God's sakes. Everybody knows it now at some point. Just you're right. Evolve a little bit. And whether that's and, and whether that's you doing it yourself or the or the people around you that kind of fostering into that or the people you work with i'm all for it i just think there's a tighter control with dave there you know i mean sure. do you know what i'm saying i mean it it kind of starts with the artist and especially in hard rock and metal and stuff there's always been kind of a of course a bigger than life persona a bigger and outlandishness to it which in their prime they were living lives like that for god's sakes because let's face it so much of the outlandish is actual reality. Who the else fucking goes off and you know climbs Tower Records for God's sakes for this <laughs> for the skyscraper thing? Do you know what I mean? So a lot of this was, and kind of partially is a reality, even as something as where I mean I still love, and we got so much details with the interview you got with the person who trained him. But the fact that the guy was said, I'm going to just be an EMT chase. I so admire chasing those passions. I also, in a weird way, as much as I want to know about it, so much directly from him. I really admire the fact that he didn't never did he did it for his own passion. He never, you know, he, he kind of would talk about it a little bit when brought up, but like there I'll tell you right now, there's a great podcast episode. No hyperbole, no bullshit. Tell us though, your motivation behind doing it. What did the training entail? Give us a couple good stories. We've gotten some good humbling stories from him about it over the years. A piecemeal. We get little bits of that. And when he does the EMT thing, he always tells the same two or three stories. There's the guy who passed out after Ozfest and he wakes up and that's the only time he was recognized. But, you know, what fascinates me about the EMT thing, which requires no embellishment whatsoever, is that he renewed his EMT license. I, I got his license info to look it up to, to make sure it's legit. <laughs> um, he got a renewal of the license while Van Halen was in the midst of the first reunion tour, which means he kept it up. He did the process of renewing it. He did continuing education. Wow. Isn't that more fascinating than <laughs> right. just about anything that he's talked about on his podcast so far? Or or as guests on other people's podcasts. Namely, look at the last two big ones he did two years ago. Rogan and did he also do Marin? I can't remember the Rogan one where it was just a couple of years ago. I think. Yeah. I, was I Rogan the last was, big one? There was Scott Lips. That was like four years ago. Lips with two P's. Yeah, I have no idea what like, th- that was. Debbie, Debbie Millman was one. Then around the time of the Jump EDM one, there was a Dutch one that he did. It's really less than 15 interviews that he's done in the last eight years. It's, it's and, just not a lot. And, you know. You tell me, if I, it's interesting that what he didn't do around these other things that came out, you know, he, there was no podcast around, not not him as a guest or him doing any, 
about the paintings. And of course, there's yeah. no commercial there's no commercial aspect to it so much as um he wasn't selling the paintings. There was no auctions, there was no showings, was, public showings. There was one, one for charity, right? Yeah, one right. charity auction. So technically there was an auction, but did we ever find out how much money was raised, who got it, etc.? No. Yeah. So he did a good yeah. deed and I understand he doesn't like the world to know about his good deeds. Fine. But yes, who taught him how to paint? Yeah. What's the motivation behind it? You know, I mean, because as, as a writer, I'm getting press releases for Paul Stanley's art tour. There's this one right. called Wentworth Galleries, which has locations in generally well-to-do strip malls <laughs> like Short Hills, New Jersey. Right. I saw that on Instagram. Yeah. And so I've gotten a few rock legend interviews over the years that I otherwise wouldn't have gotten because they were desperate to promote their art careers. And obviously Wentworth Gallery in a heartbeat would work with Roth to, to do one of those if you want to go in that direction. So I'm, I'm just saying there is a market for all that. There is interest in all that. I understand if he doesn't need the money and he doesn't need the attention, but it, it's not like he's doing these things that just have no potential to them. Right. That's why it was so fascinating. You know, there was that big New York, was it New York Times? And then the, what was the video piece we saw of him painting? Uh, there was on CBS, the CBS this morning. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then that was it. That was which it. Are two big, which are two big major media hits. You would have reached a lot more people if you went on a podcast talking about it a couple podcasts about it i'm not saying you got to do a full media tour and there's nothing you're really selling there but i wonder if they got requests and were turned down oh they which is their prerogative definitely got requests seeing that i've been bothering four or five publicists over the last five years because dave has right. changed publicists a number of times i'm sure the requests are there but he's got other stuff going on in his life so then that's where I lead the question to if he's doing these podcasts and these are not already written stories, why is he not talking to really about anything that's happened to him in the last 25 years? Cause he go last 25 years, all the Van Halen reunion stuff, living in Japan, the dog training, you right. know, he's done stuff. And instead, well, and, and he had been better at previous times about getting that stuff out there. You yes. know, I mean, there, um, in 2007, before Different Kind of Truth, there was so many cool photos on the Van Halen website of yeah. backstage stuff that nobody had ever seen before. Uh, there, there was the video of, that's still up on YouTube of of the of the sheep of the you know sheep herding training and stuff like that. And and mm -hmm. there was there was good stuff up there. Remember the all the video stuff. From, there was a lot of video stuff and Roth show stuff, video stuff from Japan. Why he wanted to walk around Tokyo with an Iron Man mask. I have no idea. God bless you, but I enjoyed it every time it cracked me up. Him and him and his dog Rust there, right? So yeah. it's, but then it's just gone, and there's no rhyme or reason. There's nothing. There's no. Why isn't there more? Why isn't there more? There you go. There's the title of this episode. Why isn't there more? <laughs> yeah, and I've I've tried the, the people who have worked around Dave or do work around Dave. I'll, I'll be very vague with that. I'm not going to use gender pronouns like like Dave and Dave Unchained because I don't want to give out the identities and, and it's not it's not important who they are. Okay, I asked the people who have or do work for Dave, and they go, "We have no idea. It's just what he felt like doing." 
and which I I love and admire. We go back and forth on this all the time. I love and admire it, but at the same time, it's frustrating. And yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, but then you look at the people like Ramses Rios, and you go, "That guy is a godsend." That he does the animations and he unearthed the shine a little light uh, or shine a light. Okay, cover. so let's shine a little light on this, okay? Because oh. in the midst, in the midst of there's a midst of all these new Van Halen songs on January first. The Mojo Dojo put out a cool little video, but this uh, to the song David Lee Ross version of "Shine a Little Love," the ELO song, which 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 people, if you know it, know that it was in the No Holds Barbecue in the background in bits and pieces. Yes, and I'm telling you, man, I have listened to this more, and we'll have a little snippet at the end of this episode. I have listened to this more than any of the cover songs because one, it's awesome, and I actually like his cover stuff, and. Uh, and we've said this numerous times. I'd love to hear this, see this song uh, released, something that's outside of in the back of a video. I'd love to hear it released in full, right? Yeah. Why didn't I? It's the Mojo Dojo. This thing is, I hope I hope we bump this. The thing is, had a little over 1,300 views since January 1st. This guy at the Mojo Dojo, Ramsey, puts, does some amazingly great stuff. He should have five times as many subscribers as he has. Total yeah. props for this. I ripped this so I could have an MP3 version so I could listen to it. and Because I'm one of the few people walking around who still use an MP3 player. Uh, <laughs> and bottom line, pardon the pun, it's a great fucking song. It's a hell of a lot of fun. It's a great yeah. cover. So if you're listening, how about Baker Street next? <laughs> Is there Anything else, <laughs> cover-wise, uh, I would love that cover of um, Mean Street in full yeah. from the uh, pull this stuff. Um, but here again, why did it take this awesome dude Ramsey to do it? How come this didn't just like pop out? Uh, and certainly, if you put in a video, you have there back then no holds barbecue that was publicly released at some point that or yeah. is on YouTube. It hasn't been stricken because of copyright infringement, so he's got the rights to do a cover of it. Yeah, so. When I talk about other classic rock legacy bands, Credence Corridor Revival was together for like five years, something right. like that. The Doors are together five, six years, and they're still pumping out new things in the early, in the 2020s. And it's it's along the lines of, oh, uh, we have one rehearsal that we recorded in a basement with a mic, and uh, we'll fix it in post. Whereas Dave has this awesome quality stuff that he paid legitimately for. He's taping his podcast in henson studios <laughs> not his house in henson studios i think b he's paying the day rates of the studio and the engineer spending all this money for high quality well-produced stuff and he wants like 1200 people to hear it i think the guy wants to get out of the house i mean he's done demos in his in the basement in his house in pasadena right he did rehearsals and stuff there he could easily do uh you can you can easily do podcast recording in that house. God bless for wanting to get out of the house and go to Henson Studios, right? Yeah. So so it's not it's not a money thing. It's not a money thing. It's not a quality thing because he's got great stuff. It's just a distribution issue. That that's somehow the distribution because there's much less talented people who are giving us more on a regular basis. But isn't it strange though that this song is only available via some other guy's YouTube channel. You're not going to find it. Yeah. I mean, Dave can easily pop this out and put it up there on what was that records or whatever, just like we now find these Van Halen covers. And that's and, where they, they are. I keep saying they're Van Halen covers or Dave covering Van Halen songs. 
<laughs> well, oh. my earlier crazy research when I was looking up all the trademarks that Dave was filing in the midst of COVID, you know, what was that records is legitimately a trademarked thing. It is a company. Right. So there is a label. There is a structure of some sort. So it's not an issue of distribution from from the, well, how could we get it out? Because anyone can get out through TuneCore or DistroKid or one of those. They could have a song on Spotify, et cetera, in less than 24 hours. He actually has a legitimate distribution arm. It's just, it's, were you an Adam Carolla fan? Mm, yes and no sometimes. I mean, I was more of a fan of, and to remain a fan of Kimmel. Okay. I, I just, I lost, I mean, the man show in the beginning was fun, but then it just wore me kind of quickly. And maybe because at that time I wasn't 18. Uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I get it. Well, he does. Obviously he's, he's great at what he does, man. The guys, you know, he's, he's a media mogul for God's sakes. And totally. maybe one of the quietest media moguls out there. If you, I mean, when you think of it, there's so much more that guy could have done. And, and he's got a great empire there. Well, Corolla and I entirely agree. Used to make fun of this guy from K rock used to make fun of Corolla. So Corolla is referencing how his work ethic used to be awful, but how he used to get things done 90%. And by <laughs> getting the things done 90%, that missing 10% keeps it from being complete. So you go, okay, so Dave, you got the content, you got the finances, you got the quality, you have the distribution. All you had to do was get that ISRC code or maybe uh, pay that intern $150 as a buyout to just make a JPEG. That's all. And put the credit card info in and it'll be everywhere. That's all you needed to do. And the money's going to come back over time. That's just the last ten percent is, is Dave's problem. I I I remember years ago we had this joke where when when you would go out and I can I'll never I can remember and you're like why in the world is that gigantic Best Buy store on Pico Boulevard out of Gwen Stefani after it was just in the circular? Well, we looked it up. It's in the back room, and it was always yeah. The last fifty feet are always the hardest, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, that's that's the story that keeps happening because he has people on his payroll. He has the content. He has the quality. He has the label. He has the YouTube channels. He has all that stuff. God, do you know what I would give to I what I would give to be one of those guys? I mean, maybe I'll pull your hair out of your head, but what I would give to just be showing up every day to help cord, you know, put me on the payroll. Give me, give me three months out there under contract. I'll be in, uh, listen, you don't even have to pay me benefits. You know, well, I'll just, uh, sole proprietor LLC would I'll just put me, on, put me on retainer, man. Let me help, help get this stuff sorted out. Yeah. It, but he has people that does this. So why is that last 50 feet the hardest? The last 50 feet is the hardest. I think that's the name of the podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> But but back to back to Ramses because I I turned it negative again. I do apologize to our our two trolls. Uh, the, the, you know Ramses, awesome. people like him are keeping Dave his legacy cool and interesting. And a lot of our favorite bands have these things. There are great Eddie Van Halen related Facebook groups where all the time you're seeing photographs of him in rare things or unreleased things. And there's one of those with Dave. It doesn't have a ton of content, but that's what's keeping Dave's legacy alive. Cause otherwise we just have the hits 
and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But going back to shine a little love for a minute. And one, if you're listening, as soon as you're done with this, go to YouTube, look it up, just shine a little love, Dave. What it just, that's all you need to throw in the search. I'd love to know who's playing on this. Wouldn't you? Who Who's playing? This? It's uh, great. It's fun. Some- my fiance isn't even, isn't even a huge hard rock fan or Dave fan. And, and, you know, like some of the hits she's the other morning, she was like, I know who, what? And she looked at my phone because I had streaming again on YouTube. And yeah. she's and she's like, "This is fantastic! This is so much fun!" I'm like, "Exactly." <laughs> it, well, it's definitely Melissa Elena Reiner on violin because she talked right. about that on this show. That's right. Yes. And the drummer at that time was for sure Ray Luzier. Ray Luzier. Uh, depends on how French you want to say his last name, but he says Luzier. Um, definitely that. We don't know who's on guitar bass etc i'm wondering if if we could do a hot take thing that we can't we can't uh verify are you ready are you ready because i'm saying allegedly uh Mm -hmm. and everything to protect us what if the hold up on this whole thing was that the guitar was played by bart walsh and he didn't want it out because Bart Walsh had sued him. He had that lawsuit because you remember how Bart Walsh's face, uh, Bart Walsh's face is blurred out in the reposting of No Holds Barbecue. That's right. Yeah. Good little mystery. Good reminder mystery there. Right on. I do. And, and Bart Walsh supposedly was the guy for Roth until it came to making a studio album where he had the right chemistry to perform live. He had that vibe, but supposedly he didn't have the chemistry for writing new material. And in that era, Dave struggled with finding a correct collaborator because it was a it was a revolving door of guitar players where you had Terry Kilgore coming in and out once or twice. John Five, due to his commitments with Marilyn Manson and other projects. Mike Hartman, who unfortunately died young, he was another like a Jason Becker kind of scenario where this is the guy. And then he got sick. Right. Bart Walsh. And then within two years of that, Brian Young. So Roth had five guitar players. And and then also, who was the Japanese guy? Toshihi Keita. Right. I've numerous times reached out to and would not get back to us. But he regularly posts content about his years with Dave. And what about Rocket Rashad? Rashad? Yeah, Rocket in and out. So, so now you're going like that's seven guys that were right now. And I was thinking about this recently too, because as far as collaborating, that should be another episode. But in Dave's defense, it could have been really, and I think maybe part of that is is that maybe that's some of the reasoning why he wasn't championing these other guitar players was because of the fact that there was, for a little while there, there was kind of a revolving door and. I think that's what I think the press would have easily, just like you saw with Kiss. You know, the thing with Kiss was, the joke was, uh, there was always those sardonic report uh, writers that would be like, yeah, and uh, Ace Freely and, you know, his 13 replacements. Well, he didn't have, th- do you know what I mean? And so I think Dave ran to the risk of one, how do you, how do you, how do you follow up? After Eddie, okay, you did with Steve Vai, and that lasted two records, and then what? And then the thing with Jason Becker, and then it almost becomes a parody. And that's what the press wants to focus on all the time. Well, yeah. who's Dave playing with now? Now, personally, I think, and so I think I would have loved to have seen him co-write with a bunch of different people, but, and he and he did. We saw that with, uh, we saw that with 
Lily enough, but yeah. I think, and I'm sure a lot of that was out of necessity, trying different things. And, and, and it's funny because I remember when I was a little, for different reasons, I was always been, even though I listened to it regularly, kind of disappointed at the time of your filthy little mouth, not the witch of it, just got the weird kind of underwhelming sort of can't get into overdrive production. Right. But a lot of that was from, to my ears, Terry Kilgore left something. I mean, do you know what I mean? It was like, it's not as good of a record song for song in my, to my ears, like, a, like a, your filthy, I'm sorry, like a little enough. And I think, and a part of it, you brought it up. It, it, some of it could have just been chemistry, right? And for a long time, I don't think Dave was interested in writing new music, which is why it turned into a Van Halen uh, cover band, essentially from what, 99 to the reunion. Even before that, I would. And it's giving what the people wanted. Let's face it. You go to see Dave, 80% of the audience there are going to be people who maybe they know Yankee Rose, but they want to hear the Van Halen song. So like any classic act, rock act nowadays, that's that's kind of a tough thing to do, right? Is to is to is to try to build that set list to give, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like to not fall back on the stuff that got you to the dance in the first place. Entirely fall back on it. Yeah. So, so going back with my weird rabbit hole there, I'm wondering if it's Bart Walsh or prior musicians that he decided he's dead to me on. And that was that this, this episode for the podcast, he said like, and big Ed says to me, I don't think he's spoken about Eddie Anderson publicly since Ed and him and Ed had that lawsuit in the late nineties. That's why I also think that this is written, pre-written material, because he right. talks about Big Ed a lot in Crazy from the Heat because he was still his manager at the time. Dumb question. Is Eddie Anderson still alive? He's alive. Um, he is super private. He managed a band or two. Did you ever see the Van Halen, the early years DVD that came out in the early 2000s? It's a cool no. entry. That is it cool? Stone. Sometimes the unofficial stuff I tend to stay away from only because I'm like, eh. Well, this, I think, might be the only interview I've ever seen with Eddie Anderson. I think he participated because he was eager to push some band that he was managing at the time. Okay. I, I may or may not have looked up Eddie Anderson online and may or may not have seen that he is working, just not in a music capacity. He's... And Probably after a lawsuit, depending on how they settled, you might not be allowed to say anything. What somebody told me, and this is a compliment to Eddie Anderson, they said Dave has never had a more loyal employee, an employee that remembers everything, that was dependable, reliable, etc., and that is a, the wrong person to have ever fired for any reason or gotten rid of. What a what a sad state of affairs that ended that way, right? And then go to go to a lawsuit, boy. Yeah, because he was there from the whole uh, roller skating. Uh, when, when when Dave used to used to roller skate eighty miles a day for four yes. hours and get lost. That's a joke to a prior episode, but <laughs> yeah. the the he talks about in the crazy from the heat book that he one of the prerequisites of hiring Eddie was, uh, would you learn how to roller skate if you didn't know? So he was there from the late 70s until he was directly the manager in the late 90s. That was a 20-ish year employee that outlasted the Picasso Brothers partnership and all that kind of stuff. Eddie Anderson was there for everything. So then that leads to the question, or 
Bart Walsh aside, is he not putting out the stuff because it relates to Eddie Anderson and as part of a sunset clause or post split royalties, he'd have to cut him in and at a principle he won't. Because you do sometimes see that with artists where they go, oh, I don't want to give my former manager anything. I'd rather lose money than do that. <laughs> Man. Did I hey, get deep? You got really deep. Hey, one last thing. One last thing here. I think I don't know if you saw this, but about three or four, actually four days ago at BraveWords.com, this showed up. David Lee Roth fan, fan film video of entire January twenty twenty Las Vegas residency show streaming. You yeah. go down. It says YouTube user Robert Mosley a shared video of Van Halen frontman David Lee Roth's January 9th, twenty twenty show at Mandalay's Bay's House of Blues, which is part of his Las Vegas residency. Check out the entire show below and go to Mosley's video. Uh, Bob TV channel here and there's a set list and there's no other place to click as far as going to below to watch it but if you go to the hyperlink to video Bob's TV channel here it goes directly to it starts to go to a splash page and then it ends up at yahoo.com oh so they pulled the video uh, somebody did and then when you and it's interesting because when you scroll down and see the comments on brave words just there's just one comment. Watch a little sad, not worth whatever it cost. I watched for free and still wasn't that interested. He should retire. All right. Big oh. deal. But I'm wondering, like, why wasn't there just, and I have not looked at YouTube yet, but I want, I'm surprised I didn't find it because I've searched all the time, but I don't know if this guy's, it says YouTube user. I, I should look, I just need to look under his name, but that's kind of weird. Don't you think? So no, I, I, they, I, I didn't know why they just didn't hook the YouTube it, it, yeah, I don't get it. I'll, I'll tell you what I think happened use, using an allegedly uh, mindset right here. Okay, so one of my favorite bands is New Order, which is basically the DNA, the exact opposite DNA of David Lee Roth and Van Halen. I love New Order. And I went to see some Peter Hook shows and, uh, and New Order shows within the last year. And I filmed some of it and I put it on my YouTube channel with the disclaimer, you know, Filmed without permission from the artist, uh, just, you know, showing the world what great bands these are. And both New Order and Peter Hook, within seconds, dinged with a copyright thing because they're both playing to tracks from the studio recordings. Ah. When you see David Lee Roth live in 2020, Jump and Just a Gigolo were undoubtedly sampled or playing on top of the studio recordings. So meaning that the Warner ISRC codes would immediately ding the copyright violation. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Dude, I learned more. That makes sense. I mean, huh. That's what happened. I bet you that's what happened. I mean, it, the the technology to get real aggressive on those copyright strikes has really yeah. improved over the last few years. I hear podcasters talk about it a lot all the time or YouTubers talk about it. Like you just have – yeah, I mean it's – they've – in, yeah, interesting. I I find it funny that both Peter Hook and his former bandmates New Order, they're both playing to the same tracks from the from the <laughs> New Order studio recordings that they neither of them are like re-recorded the tracks in the studio. They're both, you know, they they take the control album and they're playing on top of the control album as opposed to <laughs> different cuts from later on in time. I find that very very funny because if we go back to our Rocket Rashad interview, supposedly one of the reasons that Roth liked having Brett Tuggle around was he actually had the stems. Right. From he brought this up before. Yeah. <laughs> he he was the only person that apparently had that. So, 
eventually, I guess that went into the Dave archives and they had the jump sounds because otherwise you can't get them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, more good fun. So let's recap what we've learned. <laughs> Dave, Dave is back. Sort of. <laughs> we say this every episode. There could be another episode tomorrow, tomorrow, the Ross show or another song drop or nothing for six months. I will stand by my predict- prediction though, that we will not see him live play live this year. If, if not ever again, I am standing by my prediction. We will see a residency or something announced this year. We won't see a Van Halen tribute show ever. That, no, I, that's another good prediction. Yeah, no, that we won't see either. So, but I, I have a feeling we are going to see a residency announced. I'm not going on the record saying it's going to actually happen and get played and not get canceled, but I'm saying, I think that we are going to see it. And this is his ramping up with his, uh, Two or three years of activity, two or three years of hiding, two or three years of activity, two or three years of hiding. I yeah, think there's that's not a- that ma- there's not that many years left, man. I mean, to perform at a level that 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 I, let's put it this way is oh, it's just I can't I can't. I mean, is is yet <laughs> could he do now the level of what we saw in 2020? Oh, I, I see. Probably. No yeah. He he was only doing two or three high kicks a show, you know that's that's not an issue. But you know, you know, I have I will say this: I have in those Van Halen covers. Assume they were recorded last now last year. I got no problems with his voice; sounds fine to me. Even for, for who he is now at that age, God bless. It's I, it, it sounds good. If the scheduling fits in my work and vacation schedules, I will go to Las Vegas to see the shows. But I wouldn't be like super heartbroken if i missed them the way that i would have been three years ago right see it that way but i i will be going you know francis valentino has been playing drums with him the last few years on whatever sessions and all that he is on the road in february march with the matthew curry band i know there's gigs in jersey new york Florida, Nashville. So if you want to see Francis Valentino live, you can. I think Ryan Wheeler his is has some touring coming up as well. Alistrada, I can't track. He's kind of a ghost with online presence. So yeah. I mention all that because I don't think that the gigs would be happening in February or March because those guys are already having right. on the road. First three months of the year, they're booked. Yeah. Got it. So, so if you want to see me in person, come to New York to the Iridium. <laughs> watch me watch Francis Valentino and bother him with David Lee Roth questions. <laughs> <laughs> so to recap, new episodes of the Ross Show did hit recently. Uh, you're, we got a great theory on um, on the Roth Show episodes and that content. Yeah. Uh, and be sure to listen to Shine and a lot more, of course, but that anyway but and be sure to listen to shine a little love and let's get, let, let's get those plays up there. great content from the mojo dojo youtube channel and yeah rams if you could if you could put out a cool video of baker street and maybe something else that we do. <laughs> yeah do more free work for us now <laughs> we will promote it i'm telling you man that song has been my heavy rotation the last two weeks yeah, well, hey, thanks to anyone who's made it this far and supported us and listened to us. And hopefully we explained why we're not trying to be negative, but it comes out that way. We're tr- we expect greatness from one of the greatest artists of all time. Exactly. As always, thank you, my friend.
Yeah, nothing but yeah. Take care. Just a little